are listening to the Real Happy Mom Podcast, the weekly podcast for busy working moms to get inspiration, encouragement, and practical tips for this journey called motherhood. My name is Tony Ann, and you are listening to episode 164. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Real Happy Mom Podcast. Super pumped to have you back. If this is your first time listening, welcome. I am beyond happy that you decided to join me today and in particular with this episode with my guest Chloe. Now, if you are a returning listener, hey, you picked a good one to come and listen to today because yeah, my guest today is is giving us all the tea here and helping us out when it comes to advocating for our child. My guest today is Chloe Weber. She is going to be sharing a little bit of her story about her son and their journey with his diagnosis and also with actually kind of defying the odds here because she has a son that has been diagnosed with a rare um, and debilitating genetic disorder at two and a half and was able to go through a journey to find some answers. And now her son is doing better, so much better than what the doctors were initially telling her. Now in this episode, Chloe is going to be sharing, like I said, a little bit about her story. Also some of the things that she wished she could have done differently. And I know this is going to be a really good one for you if you are dealing with a child with special needs, because even if you don't have a child with special needs, I think as moms, we need to do better about this one thing that she shares. And then also she talks about how we can have some conversations that may be a little bit uncomfortable when your child sees another child that isn't quite like them. So how can you have those conversations? How can you start asking the questions so that you can get more informed about some of these rare genetic disorders and also how can you help your child understand that all kids are different then we also need to include them in things too as well so super excited about this episode love the conversation that I had with Chloe and I cannot wait for you to listen to it but before we jump into that please make sure that you go over to realhappymom.com slash community and join the Facebook group community there I love having this community. I know that um, we have been sharing some information on Trello here. I've been doing monthly trainings on Trello, just showing you how to use this project management tool to organize, manage, simplify your life at home and at work. So if this is something that you need, um, if you are looking for some other moms to connect with, this is the place for you to be. So join me over in the Real Happy Mom community on Facebook by going over to realhappymom.com slash community. Now that we have that out of the way, let's go ahead and jump on into this week's episode with Chloe. Awesome. Awesome. So we have a very special guest. We have Dr. Chloe on today. Um, I am particularly excited about this one just because we are going to be having a conversation about something that we haven't not talked about on the podcast. So super pumped about today's conversation and super pumped to have you here, Chloe. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here. Yes. Now, before we jump into our topic for today, I just wanted you to share a little bit about you and what you do. Well, so I am a doctor of Chinese medicine. Um, I am also a solo mama of a child with a very rare genetic disorder called STXBP1. And I am on a mission to help advocate for families to live healthier, happier lives based on 
in particular herbal medicine, but sort of the wisdom that is Chinese medicine overall. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. And I was just telling Chloe before we actually hit record that I kind of gave up on my dermatologist and I was really looking forward to actually finding a Chinese doctor in China, but that was right before COVID happened. So I had to put that on pause, but I have Chloe here. So she is going to be helping me out or at least referring me to the right person, but um, not necessarily wanting to talk about me and my skin issues. Um, <laughs> that is not what we're here for today. I actually wanted to talk to you about your your child, in particular about advocating for your child, no matter what the cost is. And this is something that um, I really was excited to talk to you about just because I know that every child is a little bit different. Um, Sometimes I feel like as mothers, we have that intuition, we have that instinct and we know things. And a lot of times we know more than um, what some of the professionals or experts are trying to, to tell us. Um, yeah, there are some things that, yes, they they know more than us, but we have that instinct and that knowing with us. So um, I just wanted you to share a little bit about what was your response when doctors told you that this is as much engagement as you'll get from your son and he'll never be able to walk? Like walk us through like how you even got to the, that point and then like what your response was. Um, well, it's been, it's been a very interesting journey and a lot of evolution for me personally, as well as for Remy. But just to touch back on what you said, for anybody who's advocating for their child, if you are a mom, like you, you built this human in your belly. There is absolutely never going to be any person who understands your child better than you do. So like if your doctor ever pushes back on anything that you have to say, find another doctor that's going to listen to you, look for other tests, do whatever it is, because that's something that honestly just absolutely drives me crazy. I feel like there's a massive amount of like gaslighting of mothers in terms of the health of our children when there's a lot of reasons to be concerned. I mean, there's an absolute epidemic of neurodevelopmental disorders in our children. Like I think one out of 32 kids now has autism. One out of nine has a severe food allergy. One out of six has ADD. I mean, it's just like, it's absolutely insane. So, you know, if you as a mom do have that gut instinct, I really want to encourage everybody to listen to follow through on that and like find the doctor that's going to listen to you, whether it's Western, Eastern, anywhere in between. Um, That being said, for my son, it was a very interesting journey. So we didn't know when he was born, there was no indication that he was any different than any other child. And then as months went on, you know, I started noticing things. I would Google, I'd be like, he's not really smiling, but like everything I'd see was that he was just kind of at the end of the bell shaped curve. So I didn't worry too much about it. I'm pretty chill. So I was like, all right, he's just a chill, chill little kid. It's fine. Um, but then at like nine, 10 months, he was referred to early intervention. And then at 12 months, he was referred to genetics and neurology And then for the next year and a half, he was doing like 20 hours of early intervention therapies a week. You know, I had left my job and had been doing another 20 hours with him every week. Um, And it wasn't actually until he was about two and a half that he got his genetic diagnosis. And at that point, he was maybe just starting to crawl at two and a half. Maybe it might have been later than that. It was around that time. But um, so we knew that there was something very significant going on. But when we got his diagnosis... Uh, which is this, you know, genetic mutation that's so rare that it's named after the gene that's mutated. Um, <laughs> you know, they they sat me down and the doctor was horrible. And he was basically like, you know, your son's going to have moderate to severe intellectual disabilities, Parkinsonian like tremors. And he was like, 
yeah, like he has those tremors, right? Like the guy was like proud of himself. He figured it out. And he's like, likely epilepsy and blah, blah, blah. And he went through this whole list. And, you know, as a mom, obviously, like I sat there and like, even just thinking of that day just tears me up inside. But, um, you know, but I also had had the training that I had in Chinese medicine. And I also knew that I've had hundreds of patients come to me and tell me that their doctors didn't believe what they had going on was going on, that their doctors couldn't find an answer through the tests that they were going through. You know, I'd already studied epigenetics and nutritional therapy and all sorts of different ways to support the brain. So to me, I sort of gathered myself together and I, you know, I went through a whole hot mess of a situation for myself, but like I, you know, I pulled myself back together and I was like, you know, first things first, the minimum this child needs and deserves is a happy mom. So like, I can't, fall apart because he needs me more than anything. I'm a solo mom. Like he needs to see his mom be happy. He can't see his mom hysterically crying on the floor all day, every day, which is clearly what I wanted to be doing. Um, but then B, you know, it's like, there are so many opportunities for healing in this world that are outside of the typical Western paradigm. And, you know, I'm going to do everything that I possibly can to support him and give him those opportunities to heal but love him and appreciate him for exactly who he is and whatever that trajectory is for him. So I'm pretty stubborn. So that, that also works well for both of us. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, when you were saying all of that, I was just like, yeah, I just don't know how, even just for myself, how I'd be able to comprehend and be able to digest all of that information from the doctors, because I'll be honest with you as a dentist, like sometimes I have to give people the bad news, like, Hey, you know, like I can't fix your kid's teeth and, or, you know, your teeth are actually a lot worse than what they are. But that's something that I feel like there's some things that we can do to eventually fix it. Um, but when it comes to, you know, the diagnosis that you were given, like that's like kind of hard to fix there. Um, so I can imagine like um, the thoughts and feelings that you're having, but I'm just wondering, you know, um, how you're able to start to figure out what you needed to do for your child. Because I know that you said that the doctor wasn't the greatest um, as far as giving the information, but you know, what was your next steps from there? I know you didn't let that stop you because your son is thriving right now. So just walk us through what happened after that. So in some ways it was helpful that Remy wasn't diagnosed till two and a half. And since I had this alternative medicine background, you know, basically from one till two and a half, I read every single book that I could get my hands on. Um, so I had learned so much about these different therapies about, you know, how much the brain is tied to movement developmentally, how much, you know, good fats, ketogenic diets can be helpful. You know, Dr. Amy Yasko has an amazing book on uh, nutrigenomics. There just, there's so much information out there. So since we didn't have a diagnosis, I just was looking at everything, you know, like how are they treating kids, you know, on the spectrum with sensory processing disorder? Cause all these things, all these neurological things overlap. Um, so the first thing after we got the diagnosis, I had been holding out on going to this place called the family hope center that's in Philadelphia. So what they do is they do a three-day parent training program. And I always recommend this as my number one recommendation for any parent of a child with any sort of neurological challenges whatsoever from, you know, something as severe as my son's or something as, you know, less impactful as like ADHD. They just really give the parents an understanding 
understanding about how the brain works and how you feed the brain and challenge the brain for growth and development. Um, so they make the parents all go for a three-day thing. And I'd never left Remy before. And it was, I was also a single mom. I was out of work at the time because I was doing so many therapies with him. We were living at my parents' house. So I had held off on going to their training program because I was like, I can't invest in this, you know, like I know so much. But so as soon as he got the diagnosis, I was like, all right, I'm doing it. And so I left Remy for the first time. We did the, I did the three-day parent training. And then I brought him back to do their sort of assessment and training program. So that was, that was great. Um, And then it's just been sort of an interesting unfolding of other treatments and doctors that have come through our lives. So after that, a couple months later, a friend of a friend of a friend told me about a treatment place in Ecuador, in Guayaquil, Ecuador, uh, that doesn't have a website and (laughs) is all sorts of shady. And you can't even, you know, get guaranteed that you're going to be able to be treated. But like you go down to Ecuador for a month. They do a brain map on your kid. And if they can treat you, then you stay for the month and you do, you know, hyperbaric oxygen and, you know, some of these bioenergetic medical things, um, you know, some ozone therapy, alpha brainwave stimulation. So, you know, at the time I was like, you know, Western medicine has nothing to offer me. I know that these things are safe and they have the potential to be effective and like effective you know, I had long since given up on hoping that there was going to be a one magical thing that was going to cure Remy, you know, like there wasn't going to be like, oh, you get more of these fats in his diet, and he's magically going to have that connectivity. But to me, it's just supporting him. And incrementally, and incrementally, he's just gotten stronger and more engaged and more aware and more, you know, independent. And so that's, that's always been my goal. So then we went down to Ecuador and, We've done that six times. So it's it's been an interesting unfolding for us, but I sort of try and trust the process and, and look at things through the lens of, you know, is it safe? Does it have the potential to help him? And then I feel pretty fortunate that with my medical background and just how close I am with him, I'm able to really suss out, you know, if he is not responding well to something and I can just stop it. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. So I'm just wondering, I know there's probably moms that are listening like, okay, like I know the doctors told you that he'll never be able to walk, but what, what is he doing now? Like, how is he doing as far as his development and everything? Oh man. So he is, he's walking now, um, which is a blessing and a curse. He's like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> Tasmanian devil in my household. Uh, but yeah, he's walking, he's, uh, kicking a soccer ball a little bit. He's incredibly healthy and happy. Um, he's still nonverbal, but he has a speech device. Uh, so he's able to use that to tell me what he wants and he's getting better and better at that. But most important to me is, um, he's just so engaged. Like he, so a lot of children, especially with severe seizure disorders and these rare genetic disorders, Uh, they sort of have this haze to them. Like they're not really engaged in what's going on around them. Like I'm the absolute favorite mom at the playground because Remy has taught me to be like overly enthusiastic about everything, which is definitely not my, (laughs) my natural state. But like, you know, I used to have to work so hard to get this kid to laugh and I'll do anything to get this kid to laugh. But now he's just like giggling. He's playing with things. He's trying all sorts of stuff. So that to me, is just the best part of it all. He's doing really well. I'm super excited to hear that. Sorry, my son was over here trying to talk to me. 
<laughs> but I'm really like just just like beaming right now. Like this is just like so good because it's hard a lot of times when you get that that bad news, like you know, to even like start to move into a place where you can actually, you know, support your child and and to get the treatment or whatever it is that they need to actually start to to thrive. Um, so I'm excited to hear that he's doing great. But I'm just wondering now, just hearing your story and seeing where he's at now, like what would you do differently or what thing would you say, like, you know what, if I could do it over again, I would do this. Hmm. I think those first couple of years, I, um, you know, us moms, I burned myself out as hard as possible, you know, and, um, you know, I just sort of was like, okay, if I just work nonstop, if I just read every research study, I can get my hands on all night long, I can do this, I can, you know, I can figure it out. And it's, it's been an interesting evolution from like, this is an intellectual pursuit to like, now it's more of like a spiritual quest, I'd say at this point in, in our juncture, like I'm, I'm always studying other stuff, but it's just sort of shifted in my mind and I guess my heart. But, um, so I, I definitely would take better care of myself, especially in the beginning, but also I am not good at and have not been good at, um, you know, really creating my tribe, you know, special needs parenting is so isolating. And then being a single mom on top of it, then I'm a solo entrepreneur. I own and run my own business. So like, you know, it's, it's very, very isolating. And, um, you know, it's very hard because a lot of times uh, parents of neurotypical kids are scared to like have conversations with us at the playground. Like kids will come up to try and say hi to Remy and see that he's in a stroller, which is his wheelchair essentially, or that he's nonverbal and the kids will have questions and those questions can be uncomfortable, but for me, you know, it's, it's so much better to have a slightly uncomfortable conversation that leads to inclusion than, um, than sort of shy away from the situation, which is what a lot of people do tend to do. But so I do, I wish I had done a better job of building more community for myself from the beginning, um, and getting that, that support. Yeah. No, that that's so good. And you brought up something too about, you know, kids asking questions because at least for me, because I see so many people and I meet so many new people at work, um, I've learned not to be afraid to ask questions. Like if I see something, so like, for instance, I have several patients that are missing their fingers or it's like cut off and they have like little nubs. And so I always like, ask like what's the story behind your your hands or what happened to your fingers and you'll be surprised people want to tell their story and they want to share with you because I had one lady she was telling me she actually had it was some like weird genetic thing like when her mother was pregnant with her it was like the amniotic fluid was stringy and it was attaching to her fingers and her limbs and stuff. And it attached the, or it affected the development of her fingers. So it wasn't that like she had a trauma or something that had, you know, cut off her fingers. They just developed like that. And so it was crazy for her to explain it to me. And then like, she's given me all of like the super long names and like explaining the medical background on it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And I think the same thing would go for your son too. Like if parents would not be afraid of, you know, letting their kids like ask those questions and being okay with saying, I don't know. And like getting someone like you to, you know, answer those questions, I think would help too. But I'm just wondering for those moms who are like scared or they feel like, oh my goodness, like, am I going to offend, you know, Chloe, if I ask her these questions, like, I guess what would be the best way for 
moms or for the, or yeah, really for the moms who have like the little kids, like minus five, he will, he is not afraid. He's going to ask you the questions. So like, how can we, how can we have those conversations without it coming across? It's like, we're just being rude or, you know, just making you feel uncomfortable too, I guess is the question. So it's, I think the discomfort comes more from the shying away from it. I mean, at least for me, and I can't speak for all special needs moms, obviously, but to me, it's like, you know, nobody is more aware that Remy is disabled than me and Remy, Like, (laughs) you know, like, and, and I assure you that I am in no way less proud of my son than any of you other moms are of your nerd. Like I am just as proud of him as Obama's mama must be of him, you know, like, you know, like he is, you know, the light of my life. He's perfect. And I'm so proud of everything he's accomplished. I'm so in awe of him. And like, I love talking about him. So like, there's really nothing that's ever, you know, sometimes, you know, it it can be a little hard when kids are like, oh, he's a baby. He's in the stroller. And I'm like, no, he's not a baby. His brain works differently, you know, but one thing that's hard for me personally is since I don't have neurotypical kids, Remy's my only child. Um, I don't really know what to explain to your children a lot of the time. So like a lot of times at the playground, like I have to be with Remy all of the time because I have to facilitate everything he's doing for the most part or make sure that he's not going to eat a rock because he would. Um, So I'm always with him. But a lot of times, you know, like your kids are getting older, they're five, they're six or whatever. They're running around doing their thing and the parents are off doing their own thing, sort of chatting in the corner. I envy that, not going to lie, <laughs> but, you know, a lot of the times then the kids will come up and they'll come and ask questions. So that's the one thing that can be challenging for me is that like, you know, just like a lot of people wouldn't be comfortable knowing what to say to Remy, especially, you know, like exactly like, I don't really know what your child understands as a neurotypical kid, you know, and then they all range in what they're understanding based on their age. But like, so to me, it's just easiest if at best for me also if if the parent just joins the conversation with the kid um, because then we can all have a conversation instead of just me trying to figure out what the other child may or may not understand if that makes sense yeah yeah no that's helpful that's helpful because I know um like for my five-year-old in particular he um he knows a lot more than what I think he should know (laughs) in five I'm like you don't need to know that but (laughs) I know it would definitely help that conversation yes if I was there and then I think too like have an open mind too because I think a lot of times like we're so afraid of like hurting someone's feelings or being offensive or whatever it is but um you know just kind of going in like um, I guess asking the questions, you know, just being curious, not like being nosy or, you know, some other negative thing there. But um, I love that you brought up, you know, not shying away from the questions because I think that is huge. But um, speaking of having these conversations too, like um, I'm thinking about the moms who have kids that, you know, have some sort of special needs and, they want to, or they know they have that, that knowing that we talked about that instinct, you know, um, what would be something that you would, um, give to them as far as like any advice or, um, just some encouragement, um, to it that, because 
I know it can be hard, especially because, you know, you're dealing with a lot more other things on top of, you know, trying to do the basic things like feed them, bathe them, make sure they're smiling, like, you know, dealing with the other medical things as far as medications and treatments and appointments and all that. It can be a lot. So I was just wondering what encouragement you have for moms who have um, children with special needs or don't know um, or don't have a diagnosis just yet. Well, I think that it's it's really important, first and foremost, to find practitioners who understand you and your child, who are listening to you and who are able to really address your concerns and what's going on with your child. I mean, I have worked with probably 30 different practitioners for Remy and I have them for different things and whatnot. And then I'm a doctor myself and probably like a fairly solid expert in neurodevelopmental disorders at this point, um, yet to meet a neurologist who, who understands the brain as well as I do. Um, but, you know, find, find the people who are going to listen to you and who are going to be there for you. But then also like, you know, again, going back to that mama instinct of like giving everything that you have in order to take care of your child, like you need to take care of yourself. And if that means that like your kid is missing out on a therapy, or you're not going to be able to do something, your kids eating gluten or like whatever it is, like, take a breath, like you're doing an amazing job. I mean, it's it's insane what we as moms and as parents are expected to do in our society, like our society is so twisted in terms of what we're expecting from our families, from our parents, especially in the world right now. And then if you add on being a special needs parent of any level, <laughs> like it, it really amplifies that by tenfold. I mean, it is terrifying. It's overwhelming. So like more than anything, I just want to encourage people to like take a breath. Remember that like loving your child for exactly who they are, loving your child and being there for them and showing them how much you adore them. It, that's really 90, 90, 95% of the way there, you know, like from there, you know, find your feet and then, you know, find your tribe, find your, find your care team. Awesome. Awesome. I really appreciate that advice. And the other um, thing that you said that, I will not forget. I think it applies to all moms who are listening is that, you know, our child deserves to have a happy mom. And so I am so happy that you said that. And thank you so much for, for all the information that you shared and especially sharing your story. But I know there are moms that are listening that want to connect with you, learn more about you. How can we find you online? Where can we connect with you? Well, I have, uh, so my company is Radical Roots Herbs. So you can find me at Radical Roots Herbs on Instagram and maybe Facebook. It's CBD with Chinese herbs. And then I also uh, created a resource website. I believe it's still called remysrevenge.com. So it's, uh, I just tried to compile a bunch of the books and resources that I had studied up on in the beginning of my journey so that other families as they're starting their journey have a place to sort of start looking at and the different types of therapies, the different, you know, options that they can go down the rabbit hole. Um, but yeah, people can always email me at Chloe at radicalrootsherbs.com or, uh, or reach out through any of those platforms. Awesome. Awesome. And I'll be sure to have all of those links in the show notes. Chloe, thank you again for coming on. This has been so, so good. I really appreciate you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
All right, now that does it for this episode of the Real Happy Mom podcast. To find the links and show notes, head on over to realhappymom.com slash 164. There you'll find all of the links that were mentioned as well as a handy dandy coupon code that you can use on the site that Chloe mentioned. Now, do me a favor. If you found this episode helpful, go over to Apple Podcasts, leave me a five-star rate and review. This helps me out so, so much. Let's me know that you're enjoying the guests that I'm bringing on and that I need to keep bringing you more. So do me that huge favor. I'll be super grateful. And also we're going to get the message out to other moms so other moms can know that this is a great podcast to listen to. Now I'll be back again next week with Tuesday tuned on Tuesday for another cool episode. Take care and with lots of love. After a long day at work, all I want to do is kick my feet up and relax. But because I have a family I have to show up for, I've developed an evening routine that helps me to relax at the end of the day, but still get things done. The magic of my evening routine is with Dermaclara, the groundbreaking skincare line that makes me feel like a million bucks. After taking off my makeup and cleaning my face with Dermaclara's hydrating cream cleanser, I place Dermaclara's silicone patches on my stomach where those stubborn stretch marks are. These patches are medical grade silicone that creates a microclimate that naturally encourages my skin to heal itself. So for my science mom, this microclimate actually pulls moisture from the upper levels of the epidermis, causing my skin to repair itself. This naturally regulates collagen and boosts skin's elasticity. So for my pregnant moms, this is definitely for you as these patches are safe for all trimesters and are clinically proven to prevent stretch marks from forming during pregnancy. Now, if you're ready to experience the magic of Dermaclara in your routine, go on over to Dermaclara.com. That's D-E-R-M-A-C-L-A-R-A, Dermaclara.